You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind the scenes juice on this season of Bachelor in Paradise and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What's up, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 359. I am your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Got a good episode for you. We haven't had her on in a while. Going to bring back Dr. Diane Strakowski today. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. We're going to talk about Love is Blind, even though I don't watch the show, because she's got some thoughts on it. And if you are a fan of Love is Blind, and after I spoke with her in this interview, I think I might get caught up on Love is Blind this season. Also going to talk about Michael and Danielle's breakup. We're going to talk about The Bachelor. We're going to talk about Charity and Doughton, The Golden Bachelor, Bachelor in Paradise. A lot of stuff that we cover in today's episode, and we will get to all that momentarily. So we do get to talking about a lot of things in today's podcast. As I mentioned in the open, I've only seen two episodes of Love is Blind in any of the first five seasons, and that was the first two episodes of season four, and I just... I couldn't get into it. I was just too put off by how much these people were like literally falling over each other for another person that they've never even seen in real life, like visually. I get it was about their connection and talking, but I was just so put off by the language and these people claiming to be falling in love with someone that they had never visually seen before. And it just, it was a, <laughs> a little too much. For me, I think it's a little exaggerated, and these people know they're on a show where if they do form a connection and they do get engaged, they'll last longer, which means they can get more followers and all that stuff. So it's just very hard for me to buy into that. But we do talk about Love is Blind as a show, and since Dr. Diane does watch it, she does have apparently some things that are bothering her about season five versus, I guess, previous seasons. She loves season one. So you'll you'll hear us talk uh, about that in today's podcast. And we also kind of dive into the whole Michael and Danielle breakup where, you know, there are things that could have been handled better, I think, and questions that I have regarding what was given to us publicly by both of them and not stuff that, you know, heard behind the scenes or anything like that. I'm talking about what they had given us publicly. Now, Michael has basically gone radio silent since he did his Q&A on Instagram because he felt like, oh, crap, I think I might have made this worse, which I thought he did. He shouldn't have done that. Um, I understand he was just responding to what Danielle was responding to him being on Jason Tardick's podcast. But then it's just like if one of you just doesn't have to get the last word in, that's fine. It's okay. Michael went on Jason Tardick's podcast and said, yeah, I guess we're done. Danielle didn't know he was going to do that. So she all she did was just a two or three slide Instagram story that just said, I did not know that this was how it was going to come out. Michael has told everybody that we are broken up. That is true. But it wasn't a mutual decision. And I felt I was blindsided. So it could have been left at that. But then Michael took to do an Instagram in story and an Instagram Q&A and I don't know. I just think he made it worse. He should have just let it be and just said, look, it just or given something a real quick statement. He just went into like just did a deep dive into like five or six questions and these long drawn out answers. And it's just like he's it really just seemed like he's trying to get a certain image out there where he can't do anything wrong. And it's just like it's okay to admit that, you know what, maybe I shouldn't have gone on Jason's show and said that, you know, just something simple like that. It could have been. But he went on and on and on, and it just seemed like the more he went on, the more questions the people who followed them have, you know, because they gave us so little and they hadn't posted in two months. I think a lot of people knew that they were pretty much on the outs or had already broken up, but it was just by doing what he did on the Q&A, it just never really, it, it made it worse. And it seems like Michael has learned from that because he said, you know, time for me to get off here for a while and, you know, kind of determine and figure out what's important here. And, you know, I'm glad that he did. He has not come back uh, and at least talked about that relationship since then. So maybe he's learned something. 
and Danielle hasn't addressed it either, so that's good. So that's probably the way these two should go. Um, we do talk about the Golden Bachelor because Dr. Diane is married to a widow, and we talk about that dynamic of if you get involved with someone later on in life or even earlier in life, but they are um, older. So you get, in, you get involved with somebody like that. Is it hard to not have some insecurities about your new partner's um, former wife and late wife? Is it How do you deal with that? And it's a really good conversation there. And plus, we talk about Bachelor in Paradise and whatnot as well. So a really good talk with Dr. Diane coming up in a little bit. Also, the Daily Roundup is up on your the feed already. If you're in this feed listening to this podcast, you probably are, are aware that the Daily Roundup is already up. Talking about Survivor and Big Brother uh, coming tonight. Survivor last night. And I thought it was a, a good episode. And Big Brother coming tonight. I go over what I stumbled across once again on TikTok. I don't know if it ruins anything for me for tonight, but I listened to so little of it of what I saw come across on TikTok. I don't know what to make of it. So I'll just, I guess, surprise myself tonight when I watch the episode. I also talk uh, a little bit more about shocker. I know Travis Kelsey. <laughs> How about the fact that Threads is basically a giant nothing burger now? Like, I post my podcast to Twitter slash X to Instagram stories every day. You're aware of this. But if you're not on Threads yet, I don't know. You probably know that. I post it to Threads every day, too. But I might have missed a couple days here and there. But it's just so funny how Threads... Right when it happened, the day that it launched, people were fired up about it. They were excited. And because of everything that was going on with Twitter and the charging and Elon Musk wants to do all these changes and ads and all this stuff, everyone's like, yeah, threads, this place is great. And then it just dissolved into a bunch of nothing. Like nobody really uses threads anymore. And I'm just wondering why. And if threads didn't work, which was probably the best knockoff that we had seen, if that's not going to work, I don't know if anything ever will. And, I, you know, I kind of dive into that on on today's Daily Roundup as well. So just keep that in mind. Uh, a lot of stuff going on. And then, oh, one of my childhood crushes is coming to Dallas in a couple weeks for a fan convention. And I don't know what I'm going to do. I dive into that as well on today's Daily Roundup. This podcast is brought to you by Green Chef. Green Chef makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle. Whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or just looking to eat more balanced meals, Green Chef offers a range of recipes to suit your preferences. Want to build healthier eating habits this fall? They can help. Every Green Chef customer gets a free session with their registered dietitians who can walk you through how to make clean eating work for you. Sign up and start your journey towards better health today. Eating well doesn't have to be boring. Feel your best this fall and satisfy your cravings with adventurous eats made nutritious. Discover exciting new flavors with recipes that feature certified organic fruits and vegetables, sustainably sourced seafood, and unique farm-fresh ingredients like tart cherries, truffle zest, and rainbow carrots. You know me. Not much of a cook myself, but when Green Chef wanted to come aboard and advertise with Reality Steve. They sent me their product, and I absolutely love it. They've got some new things for the month of October. I told you about it. The buttery lemon garlic shrimp is to die for. Harissa apricot chicken, maple butternut squash risotto, and sriracha tamari beef bowls. They're all very, very good. I've had each one of them. I've kind of had the lemon garlic shrimp more than the other ones. So that's kind of moving up the charts for me. But you got to check it out. And there is a new code. For the longest time, we had a certain code to use when you go to the site. Now we've got a new one. So pay attention. Greenchef.com slash 60RealitySteve and use code 60RealitySteve to get 60% off plus free shipping. That's Greenchef.com slash 60RealitySteve. Use code 60, the number 60, RealitySteve, to get 60% off plus free shipping. Remember, if you cannot remember the URL I just gave you, just go to the episode description wherever you listen to your podcast, click on Green Chef. It'll bring you right to the landing page. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. 
All right, let's get going. Podcast number 359. All right, let's bring her in. Uh, you can find her on Instagram at Back to Love Doc. She has been a multiple time guest on this podcast. Here she is again. It is Dr. Diane Strakowski. Dr. Diane, thank you for coming on. Hey, Steve. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. We got to say this right off the bat. We are recording this Wednesday, the day before it's going to air. And we're recording this between 1 and 2 o'clock Central Time, which means the nationwide test of the emergency alert system is going to happen at some point during this recording. And this is supposed to be, you know, everybody, by the time you listen to this, you'll have experienced it yesterday. But we, you know, rather than reschedule or whatever, because my schedule wasn't very flexible today, but I was able to do this. And then you reminded me about an hour before we recorded, oh, hey, the uh, the, nation- the nationwide test is happening. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. So we'll play it by ear. I might de- I might end up editing it out when it does happen, or maybe we'll just play through it because, sure. it, you know, we'll see how it goes. But thank you for uh, reminding me. I knew it was coming, and I knew it was coming this sure, week, sure. but I forgot the day and the time. So, um Interesting. I, I do want to start off with a television show that I don't even really watch. I'm f- I'm familiar with it. Um, I've seen I think two episodes total, and it was of season four. But they're in season five right now, and that is Love Is Blind. And I know that you are into this show. You cover this show, and you have some thoughts on what is currently happening on season five. First off, my question is: How many episodes have they shown of season five so far? We just got, um, I think there's now seven, because the first drop uh, two weeks ago was four episodes, and then we just got three more. So we have seven episodes, and actually this is a few more episodes shorter than usual. Mm. So I think the next one uh, is literally the weddings, and then there'll be a reunion. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, so I know you're not... I guess, too thrilled with the format this season? What exactly is going on here? Well, so I've been watching since the beginning, Steve, and I love, love, love season one. Um, you know, the the goat is uh, Lauren and Cameron, the first couple. They didn't know when they first filmed it, kind of like The Bachelor, you don't know what you're going to get. They didn't even have enough production crews to film everybody coming out of the pods. But supposedly there were like seven engagements, which were a ton. However, now we're on season five. And just for you to know, they're filming them in clumps of two. So season one came out. Then season two and three were filmed at the same time. Now season four and five were also filmed at the same time, though season four came out a year ago. Yeah. Okay. I think I I knew that format schedule. But yeah. and season four was Dallas, and season five is Seattle. Was that correct? Is Houston. Houston. Oh. Yeah, right. season okay. four was Seattle, Seattle. and okay. season five is Houston. Okay. The, yeah, I'll give you – I mean, I'll just give you my high-level thoughts. Um, season four I thought was great. We had Tiffany and Brett, another beautiful couple. We had Bliss – and Zach came out of that, and then Chelsea and Kwame. So we had three really strong couples. And what I had heard, Steve, is that they thought that it was actually too heavy on the love. And this time they were really going for drama. And quite honestly, I think it's really backfiring because at this point we have literally two couples, not even three. And there's like no one to root for. It's like everyone's a villain. It's so heavy in the drama. I'm just, I'm kind of losing interest. Hmm. Isn't there something to with a two people dated each other or are dating each other? What's going on with that? A hundred percent. So there's this guy named Uche, a beautiful Nigerian man, you know, six, three attorney, beefy, beautiful man. He finds out that this woman, Lydia, is in the pods also and that they both dated. Now, I've asked behind the scenes because they ask you who you were dating previously and to give pictures. But neither one of them said that they were really dating, right? They were hooking up. So tricky, though, he goes into the pod and finds out because he can tell by her voice that he knows her previously. This is Lydia. But the problem is that Lydia, the saucy, 
Hispanic woman who's um, also very smart. She's a chemist, a scientist, and um, they didn't have a relationship, but she has formed a relationship with his new love person, Aaliyah. And they, in the woman's lounge, are becoming best friends. And so while Lydia's trying to coach Aaliyah, it turns out that they all know each other. And that's what makes it complicated. Wait, Lydia and Aaliyah know each other as well? Well, so the women are all in the woman's lounge yeah. when you're not in the pods, right? They're connecting otherwise. So gotcha. I'm saying they're becoming best friends because they're both like interested in the same kind of guys, like science guys, because uh, Aaliyah is a nurse. She's super smart, but very artsy. So they have a relationship. And what happens is it turns out that the front runner, the, the lead producer, Chris Cohen, because there have been articles about this in People magazine, that he found out that they knew each other and asked them both to leave. So he asked Uche and Lydia to leave the show, but they said no, they didn't want to because they had already formed connections with other people and they were not interested in getting back together, right? So, but the problem was it kind of muddies the experience for Aaliyah because Lydia can't help herself but start to tell her lots of things about Uche because she knows him, you see? So Lydia has told Aaliyah, I used to date Uche? Yes. Okay. Well, so what happened was oh, first it that. sounds like it got it's gotten really complicated because first off it sounds like they were told to keep it secret. But then Uche in the pods said, Aaliyah, there's something you need to know. Um, I dated Lydia. But it would have been better if he had told her earlier, then she probably would have kept up her guard and not told you know what I mean? They wouldn't the women wouldn't have bonded so much if you knew that that was your ex. Yeah. Okay. So that's the controversy. And now it becomes complicated. And then Aaliyah finds out about this and is so overwhelmed that she leaves. So now it kind of screws that couple um, because of this secret. We haven't gotten to the point in the show yet where they walk through the doors and have made their choice. That's right. So they so he was Uche went into the pods to actually ask Aaliyah to marry him after he had disclosed to her that I know Lydia, but I don't have any feelings for her. And she got so overwhelmed with all this feedback from Lydia that she left on her own. So this is the first time this has ever happened in five seasons that somebody like even before they get proposed to leaves. Yeah. Mm. So what, yeah, so, so it's, is, it's messy. Is Uche just turning his attention to somebody else now? Or is he like, well, no, 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 no. So then what happens is he's devastated. And then this gets even more complicated. So, and Uche has been very public on his social media. So I'm kind of surprised because he has an NDA. Um, so basically what happened was they then met, the, the producers arranged for them to actually meet and they dubbed it. So it looks like, Uche is saying, no, I don't want to have a relationship with you when it turns out that's what he had said. They got that that snippet of him saying that in the pods when he was upset. But it turns out that they actually did try to date in the re real world. But this was filmed, you know, a year ago. They tried to date in the real world, but made it look like they broke up. And I don't understand why. This is so all now very confusing. <laughs> It's even more confusing, Steve, yeah. because they really did try to give it a go. And there really was a genuine, beautiful connection in the pods. And you feel like of all the couples, I was actually rooting for Uche and Aaliyah the most. Yeah. So has he said or she said why when they did try and date in the real world, it didn't work? We don't know yet. We don't know and yet. We'll, we'll probably find that out on the reunion. Um, but remember... Netflix is tight and so is kinetic contact and there's a $50,000 fine if you break your NDA. So, but he's an attorney. So I am really curious about, is he just getting a bad edit? Um, what really happened with this couple? I think I might've seen that clip circulating. I think I saw yes. that somewhere where yes. he actually addressed, no, this was taken out of the conversation or this yes. wasn't shown. I think, yeah, yes. I came across that. Even though I don't follow yeah. him, it must have shown up on my search feed or something. But yes, um, speaking of Love is Blind, you uh, since we last spoke, 
Back in June, you met up with Danielle Rule, who was from season two, got engaged to Nick Thompson, who has been a podcast guest on this show, the co-founder of the UCAN Foundation. I, I want you to share your experience with Danielle, what you learned from her that maybe the public doesn't know about, and just kind of talk about meeting up with Danielle and what that was all about. Well, I'll tell you, Steve, I adore Danielle, and I've met with her twice. Um, so I'm originally from Chicago, fell in love with their season two. I was visiting my my dad, and I said, Danielle, let's go out for a drink again. Um, I really do, you know, as we talked last time, I really do want to support the cast because I feel like they take a lot of things out of context. Um, she's a really sweet, sweet woman. And um, originally I had been commenting on attachment styles and had said, oh, I think she has an anxious attachment style. And she didn't like some of my comments, but we started a genuine uh, conversation about that. And I just feel, and I'm also did a collaboration with uh, Dr. Isabel Morley of UCAN. I really do feel like we need, um, we just need to protect the cast more to be honest, in all these reality shows, they have no, uh, there's no union. They work long hours. They don't get paid. Uh, the comments can be really tough. I mean, I'm always looking out for the mental health of these people. So I don't have a lot of tea on Danielle. I just know that this has been hard for her. This has been really hard. And, you know, nobody really prepares you to be in the spotlight. And then for all the negativity. But I do, I will say this, Danielle's platform is really to help people with mental health. And I support her in that 100%. Yeah. Have you gotten involved in UCAN as being one of the people who can provide services? Where, do you have any sort of role in UCAN? Or well, no? I did. I did a little uh, because, by the way, Nick Vial, you know, he came out against UCAN and made fun of them. Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay. So. I just thought you would appreciate that. Joke. Oh yeah, no, I did. I did a whole podcast on that. I was. Oh, I know. Fur I know. I furious about so, what he said. Right. So Nick didn't really know, and here's the thing: they're a new organization. So UCAN was started by um, Jeremy, Nick Thompson, and Dr. Isabel Morley. Yeah. And I had long conversations with Dr. Isabel because we're the same. We're therapists. We want to promote couples therapy. We believe that there should be a couples therapist available to everyone. There should be individual therapists available, but we know that would also change the dynamic, right? Because most therapists would not advise some of these people with all the, you know, ambiguity in a relationship to move forward, right? You'd kind of insist that your client think about it, right? So they may not have the same positive outcomes, but we do believe that you should give people support after. And I personally think that you should give them therapy, but you know who you should, what you should give them? You should give them a social media manager who's actually going to go through your comments for you. Yeah. I, mean, I really feel like that's the hardest part, whether it's, you know, Clayton talking about it, Caitlin Bristow talking about it. Every single person has said coming out of the show, the hardest part is the scrutiny from the followers. And you're right, you can have a hundred positive things and that one negative thing is just going to stick in your crawl and it's really hard. And so if there was a social media manager filtering all those comments, I think it would it would be in the best efforts to protect that person's mental health. Totally see that. And it's you, you hear it all the time from contestants about how many yes. times have we heard a contestant either take to an Instagram story or just post um, text in an Instagram story of we're real people, words hurt. I mean, it, it's just, it's nonstop. Yeah. Everybody says it at some point once they're off the show, because for the first time in their life, for the most part, none of these people have any sort of following outside of their family and friends when they leave for the show. Then they come off it, they gain a following. Granted, it's a lot less than what it used to be, but still you're now being judged by literally everything you do. And anybody behind their own Instagram account can say whatever they want about you. And you're just not used to it because, frankly, before you went on the show, the only people that followed you, like I said, are family and friends. And for the most part, family and friends, when you post a picture, 
especially even if it's a thirst trap picture, family and friends are going to be like, uh, Lisa, you look terrible in that, you know, or Lisa, 100%. maybe take that down. Like, they're not going to say that. They're going to say, oh, you look beautiful or put a heart emoji or a fire emoji, whatever the case may be. Um, oh, are you getting your emergency alert right now? I am. Yes, it's happening right now. I'm hearing the beep. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm hearing your phone vibrate or kind of, or was that a beep? Was that, was that what you got? It was, it, I have a text that says national alert and it was oh, beeping and it was loud, but it's gone now. So that's good. Okay. How do, I, how do I shut this off? Okay. It's off. Okay. Um, okay. So I don't even edit that out. That was only about 15 seconds of, right. <laughs> of distraction. Um, but yeah, I think it is, it is interesting with the social media manager because then are, are we almost, if your social media manager isn't letting you see anything, I mean, I guess there's there's difference between constructive criticism that you're getting on your Instagram and just flat out trolling and negativity that insults your looks. Like you're ugly, you could use, you know, you could afford to lose a little weight, whatever the case may be of, of what a troll would say. But if someone is saying, hey, I thought you handled that poorly on the show, I mean, very rarely does that <laughs> does somebody have a a discussion like that on Instagram. It's it's everything so just black and white. Like you sucked or you were great. There's really no in between. Right. But like it, run. You're a red flag. Yeah. Or exactly. You need therapy or some harsh things. But I think what happens over time is we know that those also kind of die down. And I know you know Rachel Lindsay was on the show because I was at the tell all one time where it was uh, Pilot Pete season. They were talking about the horrible, I mean, death threats that people get. Yeah, horrible. Um, and and so certainly a social media manager and then paying for therapy. But the whole point of you can is two things. One, they want to have you help help you have legal representation. Because when you're also reading through these contracts, right, like when you go on Love is Blind and it's a $50,000 fee if you leave the show or you break the NDA, who has that kind of money? Yeah. Right? And you're just, you just realize that you're a small person up against a huge conglomerate. But Netflix makes $90 million on each season of Love is Blind. And they're trending. They're number two right now on Netflix. So these are tough numbers, right? Um, and in terms of production of the show, it's relatively cheap, right, compared to producing Friends or another show where you're paying high salaries, you have a studio, a live audience, et cetera, right? Mm -hmm. So um, we just know these are money-making shows and reality TV and reality dating shows in particular, especially now with the writer's strike, right? You don't, um, you, you, they can keep filming. Yeah. I think, you know, you mentioned that one point that you brought up and there's two, you brought up two good points that I wanted to just kind of offshoot on. Number one, talking about therapy and therapists for the show. What I've always found interesting is, you know, let's just take the bachelor and bachelorette, for example, they do have an onset therapist. Yes. However, once you're off the show, I've heard from numerous people, you basically, once you get eliminated, you immediately see the therapist. So the first person you see, once you don't get a rose at a rose ceremony or you voluntarily leave the show or however you exit the show, you talk to the onset therapist. But then for the most part, you never hear from them again. They never check in on you. They never say, hey, we're here if you need us. It's kind of like, hey, we're on to our next season. We got a new group of people we got to deal with. 100%. Yeah. So, and the other thing is, how, for these contestants, how much are they willing to open up to a therapist that's being paid by the show? I've heard some of them say, I was scared to say anything to this therapist. And I know there's this whole, you know, doctor-patient confidentiality. But I'm sorry, when that therapist is being paid by the show, you're telling me the show is never going to get anything out of that therapist about what that particular contestant said to them. I, I don't necessarily buy that. And that's, and I know there are other contestants in this franchise that feel the same way and just never felt comfortable talking to the onset well, therapist. I, I agree with you. So part of you can, um, which originally started for love is blind, but they're expanding it to other shows to want that person in their, in their state to get therapy that's paid for, by Netflix or Kinetic Contact or 
the bachelor producers that you get like 12 sessions. I have talked with contestants who have said, if you go to the show and say, listen, my mental health is suffering, they will pay actually for 12 sessions or something outside. So that's what the whole basis of you can is to then to get the legal help you with the contracts, but then to have therapy outside that you choose your own therapist or uh, you can, they have like 300 therapists now that say if you're in Dallas and you need a therapist there, because also the way that therapists work, we only work in our state. So I can't actually do therapy with Danielle in Chicago. Oh, I see. I can only work with people in California. So you have to then go back to your state where you live, find a licensed person and work with them. And chances are those therapists may or may not have like watched the show or really know what's going on. But it, you can developing people who therapists who, you know, watch the show, follow other pages and then maybe know a little bit more. And that could be super helpful. But our confidentiality is such that, no, we can't share with anyone. If, if somebody came to me, I cannot disclose that to anyone. Well, what's interesting to me is, let's say you're a contestant on The Bachelor and you, yep. li- and you live in Chicago and the onset therapist, you get eliminated in California, you speak to the onset therapist, you go home and you're just struggling and you right. get a therapist in Chicago. Are you violating your NDA by telling your therapist what happened to you on the show? Technically, you would no, be, right? The, or no? No, it's protected because it's protected information. The therapist, you have confidentiality. They're not going to share that with anyone. So oh. you're not, and, and you're not going public. So there's no problem about an NDA. Um, that's your private information. And again, I have heard from people that then you could submit those bills to ABC or, or the production and they might cover that therapy if they deemed that necessary. Gotcha. Okay. So that's what we really want for people. I personally also think, Steve, that let's say love is blind right now because there are real couples or the ultimatum. If you had a therapist there to talk about that stress or help just negotiate or talk about, hey, you know what? He's doing the best that he can, but he's a little bit awkward. He's not good at this. He doesn't have a lot of relationship history. Like, I really do feel that if you had a therapist that wasn't really messing with the outcome, but you would have more couples come out of the show if you could navigate that early stress better. Yeah, no, that makes all the sense in the world. And it seems like more and more need it because it just seems like yeah. the mental health is taking its toll on a lot more contestants. And 100%. It, and it is yeah. social media related. We know this. And and here's yeah. something else I want to talk about along the same lines. You kind of brought it up is and, and I want your opinion on this because I still am. I'm still in 50 50 on how I feel about it, but I'm not telling contestants what to do. And that's this. We are seeing more and more influencers off of this show you become an influencer or you become someone who wants to be very vulnerable and very real with your audience because your audience feels like they saw a you know they saw an edited version of who you were when they first started liking you on a television show well they want to see the real you and a lot more contestants from all different types of shows are showing themselves breaking down on their Instagram. Yes. And there's a part of me that's like, I understand you want to be real and vulnerable for your audience. There's another part of me that can't understand. I'm going through a panic attack right now. I'm going through an absolute mental health crisis. Let me set up my phone, turn it to me and have me sitting here breaking down. Like there's something that doesn't almost seem real about that, but I'm not saying that I'm not invalidating their feelings for doing that, but turning the camera on yourself when you're having a panic attack or when you're going through a mental health crisis in that moment just seems, I don't know how I feel about that. Hmm. Okay. I'm not sure if that's a question. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm guessing, I guess yeah. my question is, yeah. how do you feel about that? Do you, would you, would you, would you um, tell a client who hmm. maybe is an influencer when you um, get into that low mentally and you're having a horrible day, whether it's in your car or it's in your bathroom, I want you to film it and then post it for everyone to see. I guess that's my question. Would you tell somebody to do that? 
No. Um, I I know it's, it's really hard. And then I'm just thinking of one example. So I can remember early on in the pandemic, um, I was super anxious and I was holding everybody's anxiety too, right? Mm. I have my regular clients who call me and I have sessions with them and it just got to be too much for me. And I literally did my self breakdown. I was very sad. I was very anxious. People were dying in Italy at the beginning, right? We had no idea what was happening. And I actually did take to my Instagram. I could not stop crying all day. I don't know what it was. I was just really struck by this. Like, oh my God, this is horrible. And what happens is you get kind of addicted. I'm just, so I'm just going to say, why do people do this? Why? Mm-hmm. I get an outpouring of people then say to me, oh my gosh, thank you for sharing. I feel the same way. You're going to be okay. We're all going to be okay. And it was actually kind of nice. So I'm just saying, I get why people do it. Okay. Right. It, 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 I'm just playing devil's advocate. There's a moment where you can feel like by I'm demonstrating vulnerability, which I usually don't. I don't ever take my Instagram stories and ever cry, but I did that one time and I did feel that I did feel some support. So I get why people do it because your audience is more likely to respond to a video of you crying, right? Than they are to something else. You're like, Oh God, what's happening here? I need to listen. Right? Yeah. So I get it. Why people do it. Now, would you do it on a regular basis? No. It's different if it's a one-time thing, something tragic has happened. Um, But I think you process it with your own therapist, maybe. You process it on your own. And it's okay to maybe talk about it, right, in hindsight. But I don't want to filter. I don't want to tell people what to do, what not to do. I just, out of having done that myself, I can understand how you do feel more supported from your audience. Okay. And and that's where I kind of stood on it. It was like, I'm still indifferent. I didn't know. Yeah whether to think it, it's never crossed my mind to right. share that with my audience. But then again, I'm not an, an influencer per se. I know my words and my podcast sure. might have sure. an effect on people, but um, I don't know if something you know awful happened in my life, I would immediately turn the camera on myself and share it with my podcast audience. You know, I don't know. Right. Uh, I, to see. I mean, I watch a lot of videos. What I don't like is where people have these scripted kind of things and they do ridiculous stuff and you know it's all acting. And to me, that's very different. But people do go live to talk about what's going on. I do think uh, influencers, I can think of a lot of people from Bachelor Nation who do feel like everybody wants updates on them. And so there's this pressure uh, to kind of talk about it. Now, what I love, of course, is when somebody like even Hannah Brown, who's very outspoken, comes out and talks about therapy and then talks with um, charity and they talk about the difference between having gone to therapy and not going to therapy. Like, I think then we need to parlay that into now what to do if you also experience this, right? If you're feeling lonely, if you're feeling horrible, what to do? And we need more role models in that area. Yeah, no, I totally get that. And and I think there is a part of me that kind of can see it. Um, it's just, you know, not something that I would do, but I'm right. starting to understand, okay, I get why they would do it. Because just by them doing it, as you said, somebody out there, if not multiple people, are going to say thank you for sharing that. And that makes you feel right. good. As opposed to if you post something where you're traveling the world and somebody's sitting at home at a nine to five desk job making $40,000 a year, you become unrelatable kind of when you do that, but you can become I, more relatable when you post something a little more vulnerable. I completely agree. But again, I don't think you, you know, to your original point, I don't think it should be overused. Yeah. Right. I, and I think it's the same thing. Like I never go on and do that. I'm, I'm, I show happy videos of my husband and I and relationships and other things. And so it's like, well, this is different. So I wanted to transition into talking okay. a little bit about uh, Bachelor Nation stories because we spent a lot of time here talking yes. about Love is Blind and whatnot. But the first thing is, and something that you commented on on your Instagram page, and it was definitely a hot topic in, in Bachelor Nation when it was going down, was the Michael and Danielle breakup. And yes. I do think there is stuff that we just don't know uh, yes. going on here. So it's really tough to sit here and dissect it. But to the best of your ability, why don't you share exactly what you thought of how everything went down. And I since have heard some things backstory too. So I always get that the truth is in the middle, but 
Um, I think what's really hard, and a lot of people came to Danielle's side because she had just frozen her eggs, yeah. right? She froze her eggs, and then Michael broke up with her the next day. And I wrote about it and commented on it that that felt like a blind side to her. Now, the tricky thing is that, and it's very just curious to me because I have uh, in my own family a very similar kind of situation, not me, but my stepson. Um, he was trying to, I'm guessing, probably trying to do the right thing by helping Danielle freeze her eggs, right? Mm -hmm. Going with her, trying to be supportive of her. But I'd also heard they were in couples therapy. They knew they were breaking up. The relationship was struggling, though she moved and all these other things. So it felt to her like a blind side when maybe he felt like he had been more clear with her. This isn't a relationship. This isn't going to work. People have been very harsh on Michael saying, you're not ready. You should be in therapy. Um, but I think hearing more about his side, too, that it wasn't a blind side. Right. He felt that he had told her all the reasons why it wasn't going to work. Um that's all I can really comment on. Like, that's all I really know. Yeah. But my whole piece of it is if one person feels like it's a blind side, you haven't done a good job. Yeah. Right. If one person comes out and says, I had no idea, then you just have to wonder, were you being provocative? Were you saying things that led them to believe that you would change your mind or something? And my advice to those people then are just make sure that you're being more clear because someone is presenting this as a blind side and you didn't do your job. So there's always this thing where we can speculate and guess, but when that situation right. came out, I was taking what Mike, cause you know, Michael took to his Instagram stories and yes. literally publicly answered questions about it after yes. Danielle's comment. And so I took that and said, okay, let's see what's been presented to us publicly by both people. Yes. And, and what is fact fact Danielle clearly wants to have children someday. And right. Michael said in his video, Danielle knew before she moved to Ohio that Michael wasn't interested in having kids with her. Now, that's where it got confusing to me because I understand that Danielle and Michael, this was about a year into their relationship, or I don't know, I don't know how many months it was in, but if we're talking about someone that clearly wants kids, and she's in a relationship with a guy who has a child from a previous marriage. Yes. And she wants to have kids and he tells her, I'm not interested in having kids. And Danielle moved anyway. Something tells me something wasn't made clear. I don't think it was as clear. Right. And that's just my opinion. I don't think Michael made it clear. We are never, I am never having kids with you. And Danielle still up and left and moved to Ohio. Why would you do that for somebody who doesn't want kids when you clearly want them? Like, unless Danielle did it thinking I'm going to change his mind, which I guess is a possibility, but I, I don't know. I, and that, and that's where, that's the whole confusion I have with everything was when Michael said in that Instagram story, Danielle knew I didn't want kids. I'm like, then why did she move? That doesn't make a lot of sense. So maybe he was saying, you know, not right now, or maybe we can look about it in the future. And and she was just, you know, clinging to some hope. But I, well, I, I don't and, know. And again, I think this is a, I mean, this is a private thing. There was a couple's therapist involved too. So I, even then to me, it's like, well, they were trying to sort this out. And, and here's the problem. I mean, relationships are not black and white and people do change. Uh, I'll tell you again, I, I met my husband. He'd already had two kids. He was, um, a widower. He said, I don't want to have kids. I literally broke up with him, Steve, and said, well, I do want to have kids. And we, then we, I broke up with him. We even did some couples therapy. We talked about it. And then we agreed we would try. So you don't, it's not so black and white, mm. right? So like these things are moving and complicated. And then it's figuring out, is it is it not the right person? Is it not the right circumstance? Is it the kid issue? Is it not? Are we going to try anyway? You know, it's it's complicated. Yeah, and that's why I said so, I think there's way more here yeah, that we just don't Way know. more. Way yeah. more. But I think really there's no point in, in picking sides. And I think um, even Michael, I'm like, he doesn't have to answer those questions. I really do think sometimes the best is let's just let us heal. 
But, you know, she went on a podcast and talked about that and people responded to that. And I think you just want to say these are two attractive people. They're going to be just fine. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think the way I think your issue and I think a lot of people's issue was just, you know, the way it was done. Could Michael Mm -hmm. have just taken Danielle's Instagram story of let's be clear here. This was not a mutual decision and I was blindsided. And Michael just taken that and not done a Q&A uh, where he answered people's questions. Yeah, probably. He could have. He could have just said, you know what? Well, Out of respect for Danielle, I'm just going to leave it at where it is right now and we're going to go. Yes. Yeah, at that point, they both should have just been silent. And here's what I always say is actually the black box works. The black box works, whether it was because Peter Weber did the same thing with Kelly. He went out and blurted it first. To me, it's usually like the anxious person feels like we've been waiting long enough. We've been broken up for a while. I'm just going to share it. But you really should coordinate with the person. Get your PR people together. You both represent the story at the same time. You both ask for peace or quiet or in your healing. I just think there are better ways to do it. Yeah. And I think she was upset because he went on Jason Tardix and, and shared it. Did he have permission to share it at that time? So it wasn't even just the breakup. It was how it was shared. Yeah. And, and he- I really just right think if there even if there was a therapist with some guidelines, like if we just learned how to better manage social media and all of this, those things are in place for a reason to kind of protect people. Yeah, and I think that's where we were with with Michael was because when Danielle sure. or when Michael went on uh, Jason, which caused Danielle to respond because she yes. said I had yes. no idea it was coming. Yes. And then Michael said, "Oh, well, the reason I said it on Jason, it was just like, okay, we're just going to sit here." And play tennis back and forth between these two on, on the That's whole That's right. And it's a chess game. And and I, I do think like Caitlin and Jason handled their breakup really well, right? Both announced it at the same time. So we could look at role models of people who are Hannah. It doesn't mean you don't have complicated feelings and you feel like you need to tell your side of the story. But nobody really needs to know your side of the story because it's too complex. It's too long. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. I, I think... I wanted to move on to the other couple, the most recent couple in and what we're dealing with right now in Bachelor Nation. And that's and that's Charity and Doughton. We haven't yes. spoken since her season ended. I was curious of what you thought of them, what little we know of them. He seems to he's been at the first two episodes of Dancing with the Stars. It looks like he's out there. He for was the whole there time. last night. I watched yeah. it. He's with his family. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So they're clearly he's and I believe he even said, like, I'm going to be out there the whole time. I'm not going to go back to New York during the week and just fly, yes. fly in for the Tuesday episode. Yeah. He's he's with her. And this has kind of been there is this, you know, not I, you know, I want to call it an urban legend or urban myth because it's almost a factual thing. There have been a lot of couples coming off the Bachelor franchise, engaged. They go on Dance with the Stars, and they don't even make it to the end of the season before they break up. We saw it with Gabby and Eric. We saw it with uh, Chris Souls and Whitney. We saw it with, uh, I believe, Nick and Vanessa broke up very shortly after he got off. Now, granted, yes. those were all Bachelors, which is kind of curious. It hasn't really affected... Oh, wait, Gabby was Bachelorette. My bad. But but right, it, right. it does put a strain on the relationship. Sean Lowe came on my podcast and wrote in his book. He said, now, looking back on it, going on Dancing with the Stars was the hardest thing. Uh, I should have never have done it. It was it took a real toll on my relationship with Catherine. Mm-hmm. They were able to get through it. But it's not easy because you're fresh off of a show. And, yes, they had four months where they were seeing each other privately. But now, for the first time publicly, you can see each other and Charity is off dancing, you know, probably practicing six, eight, ten hours a day. Right. So what is Dotton doing? Just sitting around doing nothing, waiting for her to get waiting for her to get home or, you know, going shopping. Just point being he's doing stuff alone for most of the day. And right. they're seeing each other at night. So I don't know. Your thought process on would you again suggest this to somebody? It's a great opportunity for her. She's clearly killing it. She's probably gonna make the finals. So she's gonna be on there a while. Is it going to ultimately kill or hurt the relationship? I guess time will tell. But what are your thoughts on going on Dance with the Stars fresh off an engagement? Well, I was just reading a comment on that. And Steve, I'm I'm of the type where I really believe in Charity as, as a therapist. And her skills, I think, are different than some of the other bachelorettes we've seen. Um, I've had contact with Charity. We were I, She was going to come on my live, but then she got the Dancing with the Stars. I'm like, we'll do it later. I really think this is a very secure 
young woman who's very outspoken and very articulate, as well as Dawn. I really think that this is a unique couple of more maturity. So I'm actually going to think that they'll they'll get through it. It is a stressor, no doubt. But I love that he's moved there. He's staying with her. Sounds like there's he's supporting her. His family being there was huge. Um, I, I I think I think if all the couples, they're going to be the one who can make it. Gotcha. I do. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like, and we haven't heard anything. I mean, usually you even hear rumblings, uh, yep. especially, yep. and just nothing for those two. So that's good. I mean, so far. Yeah. So far, I mean, so they good. were traveling. She's posting pictures. I mean, they look so happy. Um, and I, I think she really has just handled herself so well in the press. And um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm rooting for them. And the final thing is what has taken Bachelor Nation by storm, judging by episode one's ratings, uh, was the Golden Bachelor. This is something that's been in the can or been something that's yeah. been talked about since 2019. Pandemic hit. It got put on the back burner. We're just like, is this thing ever going to happen? They kept running ads for it, like apply to yeah. be on this. Yeah. And we didn't know. And we didn't know how this thing was going to go. We didn't know what the audience was this for. Is this going to be you know, 18 to 34 year old women, are they going to be interested in watching 72 year old people date? We don't know. Well, we got our answer last week, at least for the premiere drawing 4.3 million, which is the most ever for any bachelor bachelorette or bachelor in paradise premiere since Matt James season, basically since the pandemic started, it yeah, was the highest 45%. Yeah. yeah. And it's been, and it's been huge. Now I think a lot also has to do with the fact that they promoted the hell out of this thing. I mean, they, you don't see them promoting, you know, the two Bachelor seasons that have happened since Matt James, Clayton and Zach, they didn't have billboards all over L.A. They didn't have food trucks all over L.A. and all these events where you could go to. I mean, they really promoted the shit out of the Golden Bachelor, which, you know, I guess we'll see in the coming weeks. Does the audience start to peter out and then come back in for the finale? I don't think it'll be too much of a drop, but um, I expect it to drop a little bit. But that's the thing. It's not going to drop like the premiere of Bachelor in Paradise, which, you know, Golden Bachelor gets 4.3 million viewers for the hour that it aired last Thursday. And then Bachelor in Paradise, the first hour or that whole show, got half their audience. Like half the audience literally yes. took off and said, yes. we don't want to watch any more Bachelor programming. That's more of an issue than, you know, is the Golden Bachelor sustainable? But the the premise is... Definitely interesting because it's not just the fact that it's a different age group. I mean, we haven't seen this on any sort of dating type show. I remember back in the day, NBC in the early 2000s did Who Wants to Marry My Dad? But even that guy, I think, was in his mid-50s. I mean, this is and like they're skipping over the you've got the bachelor crowd, which is, you know, 25 to 35. And then you've got your crowd that would be from you know, I guess 40 to 55 and then, or 40 to 60. And this is the 60 and over crowd. So they literally skipped a whole age range here and we didn't really know. And now we do. People seem to be interested in it. What are your thoughts on it as someone who is married to someone who is a widow? Yes. Well, I love everything about this, Steve. Um, I can't deny that. I think it's incredibly smart. I think the marketing is brilliant. Um, I mean, also the press that they've gotten, I read two articles in the New York Times. I mean, we are tapping into older generations. 27 million people watch the finale of Golden Girls. Okay. <laughs> this is the audience. This is the boomer audience. And here's the thing. It's the boomers who are watching live TV. So they can get the Nielsen ratings instead of getting the um, Hulu ratings the next day. So that's what's driving these people. And there is a whole subset of people who watch The Bachelor with their partner, who watch it with their daughters. It's not just the young people. But I think the smart thing is that this is not Bachelor 2.0. This is a whole different show. Yeah. Like Golden Bachelor. And I love that they actually gave it a new title. The Golden Bachelor. But people are living longer. They want to find love. And what I love is that this is just more complex, right? These women are confident in a very different way. We're not going to see like the cattiness, right, between them. But what we're going to see, and I think this is going to be the issue, and I'll just tell you because of my personal experience, 
when you are dating someone who was happily married, it's going to bring up some of your own insecurities, right? Like if I was not married or if I was unhappily married, it's more complex in that way. That's a whole other storyline, right? Like what do I think about this person? Are they comparing me to their deceased wife? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think we're going to see differences, right? But I love even the preview for um, Thursday night where the women are like, I'm not getting up in that bunk bed. I have two replaced knees. I mean, like just the convos that we're going to have similar to like golden girls, you know, where they're sitting in the kitchen eating cake after their date. I just love it because it's just more real, right? Um, It's wholesome. It's just sweet. I thought the women were, when they were all dancing with each other, right? That was so sweet and so wholesome that um, I also thought the editing was tighter, right? Making an hour show, there there just wasn't all the filler. Yeah. And so I I really, I loved everything about it. Um, I love the women, high energy, the therapist, April, who had a calendar of herself and she's clucking like a chicken. She has like a, on her Instagram, she's got like a chicken purse. And I mean, just so cute. A lot of these, you know, women and even Gary, I don't know what to do with social media. I mean, it's making fun of themselves, playing pickleball, the, the hearing aid. I think it's great. I think it's just great. And I, I will wonder what comes after this because they did miss that whole gap in the middle, like the 40 and 50 year olds. Will we see a silver bachelor? Will we see a bronze bachelor? Um, I just thought there's so many marketing opportunities and I think it's brilliant. I just think it's brilliant. Will you talk about the insecurities of marrying somebody or being in a relationship with somebody who lost their wife? Yes. You know, I I think a few of these women have lost their husbands. I I can't remember which ones, but there are definitely a few in there that have. But the whole thing is Gary is I think it was Teresa, wasn't it? can't remember i'm blanking i'm pretty sure it was it was one of the women they featured i thought it was Teresa. i'm not sure but gary we know lost his wife and it was five or six years ago and it was you know came out of pretty much nowhere so like you said you're in the position yourself as your current husband um lost his wife so i don't know how do you deal with something like that and how do you get over those insecurities of gosh i'm never He's never going to look at me the way he looked at her. Or do you look at it as I'm just someone he's going to look at differently or he can still love me and still love his ex uh, and still love his former wife. And that's okay. Like, how do you, how would you talk to somebody who is having insecurities about dating someone who lost their wife? Well, yeah, thank you for asking. I mean, I think what you have to do, and it's interesting because, so my husband lost his wife to cancer and she had battled it for like nine months. I think Gary had a very short time, but he had two sons. And then interesting enough, my husband dated someone before me who was very insecure, who felt very intimidated by his late wife's memory. And given that I was a therapist, I didn't feel that. And, And my husband also did a really nice job telling me I'm not comparing you. I know I'm going to meet somebody who's different. This is a chance for me to start over. So he was just as much a part of that. Like Gary's a part of easing the woman into that story too. I'm not comparing and contrasting you. So I felt like there was space for me. And then my boys were younger than Gary's children, like looking for, they needed a mother. So there was a place for me which felt really lovely. And I hope these women find the same thing. There's a place for them. Like kids, there's there's so much love to give. Who doesn't want another grandmother, right? Like who doesn't want their their father to be happy? So it's really lovely if you can get out of your head, if your partner can help you and realize like this is our new start. This is our new relationship and we can make it anything we want. So I don't know if this is, too personal if it is excuse me if it is you don't have to answer it but i'm just curious like does your husband on the anniversary on on his his what do you call his deceased she's not his ex-wife what's the wording i want to use when i refer to your husband you just say your late 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 wife wife. okay your husband's late wife does he visit her grave on her birthday is it something that he does every year or something like that or and if he does does he bring you 
Well, and and he doesn't. He's not that like religious or that's not kind of a practice. Though okay. I will have to tell you, I've been the one who's come and said, I think you guys should do more about this. You should oh, okay. celebrate, you, you know, you should celebrate her birthday. And then he calls he calls his mother-in-law, who, by the way, we're having for Thanksgiving because she's the boy's grandmother. Like, we're very close to her. And um, she's at she's at our wedding. You know, my husband's mother-in-law. So I have to explain to people, this is my mother-in-law, but it's not my husband's mother, right? Yeah. It's just, it's complicated. But if you can have, again, hold space for all these people and uh, realize that you just benefit from all the extra relationships you have, then there's nothing to be intimidated about. But I highly encourage him that I'm not taking her place. It's just a different relationship. But boy, we have conversations like, okay, how does this happen in heaven then? Like, are you with me? Are you with her? What, what happens here? Right? Okay. Like, what, what, what goes on in the afterlife? Uh, so... <laughs> It's it's just interesting conversations that we wouldn't be having otherwise, right? Yeah, and it's almost like <clears throat> if 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 he gets there first, does he rekindle right. with her, and then you arrive, and he's back with 100%. her? Or if you it's arrive like, wow. first, do you do you befriend her? And you know, yeah, it just we don't know. Uh, we don't know. We don't know. So that's a whole other podcast. What yeah. happens in the afterlife with this this other complicated relationship? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting, yeah. and you know, I didn't know. I didn't know what to to think about Golden Bachelor, and then I watched it, and I'm like. This is completely different, you know. This is just this yes. is pure. This is pure and it's wholesome. And I hope. Yes. And it even even by the trailer, while they did show women crying, I yes. don't think it was over because they were fighting with each other. I think it was just the emotions no. of the show. So I think they're really going to lay off the drama. I I did like the fact that they didn't make anybody on night one give them the uh, silly background music or basically make it so like, right. oh, this is the woman you're not supposed to like, you know, or, right. or, or make some, or, an or example that, of somebody. Or that Faith, you know, brought her guitar and played, but it wasn't cheesy like Jed, right? It was like yeah. sweet. And and um, I just love that the women supporting other women. And I think that's the whole point. By that age, you, you've, you've had children, you've had relationships, you're, you're not you're also not like looking for the father of your children. You're like looking for a companion. And I think there's just more of a reality. Either I play pickleball or I don't. Right. Yeah. It, it's like, um, I love that. And I think the dates are going to be more wholesome, right? Like gardening, or they're going to be, you know, the go-karting. I don't think they're going to put the women in, you know, to play football. Let's hope oh, not. Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> they're not going to put them in a football or whatever. And we've already seen, um, I think there's one, uh, dune buggies. There's a there's a hot air balloon date. Uh, the group dates are and there very is a pickleball fun. date. I thought oh, there's yeah. a pickleball. There's a pickleball because my husband date. and I play. I'm like we're ready for Gary. Like my husband's already like, how good do you think Gary is at pickleball? I'm like, I don't know. Let's we'll find out. <laughs> yeah, I mean that there's a pickleball group date. Either yes, I think it's episode number three. But yeah, um, just a more just a more pure and wholesome show and i think that's what after years of what we've come to expect with bachelor and bachelorette it's like okay this is something different and it's refreshing and i do think the fact that it is an hour really helps people get through this because it wasn't two hours of dragged out stuff they you know they sped up the limo entrances a little bit we yes we saw everybody come out but some of them kind of we saw them literally standing in front of gary was the first time we saw them as opposed to you know, opening up the car door and walking to him. Some were just already there in front of him. Matt James' mom, for example. So, you know, it was just one of these things where it's just like, okay, I get it now. And the audience seemed to respond. And I'm curious to see where it goes from here. 100%. And I do know there was a little controversy about Matt James' mom. Like, would she be the golden bachelorette? But I didn't see a ton of energy from her, right? And I just thought, well, it's probably not her person. I don't think she felt it. Um but it, it'll be curious, right? Do we have a golden bachelorette? And is that going to be one of the people who makes it to the end? Um, it, it'll be, I'll, I'll really be curious to see what happens. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing we don't know. And if they do a golden bachelorette, does that mean golden bachelor is done? Or are we going to do a golden bachelor and golden bachelorette per calendar year? Because then, right. then they're looking at five shows and it's like, okay, well, when would this be filmed and when would it air? Because you've already... We know we're getting a Bachelor, Bachelorette, and Bachelor in Paradise season every calendar year. 
They have now proven they can fit in a fourth one, which is the Golden Bachelor. Can right. they fit in a fifth one? Or will That's Golden right. Bachelorette just replace Golden Bachelor for a season? We just don't know. I mean, time will tell, and we'll have to wait for that. But, um, Dr. Diane, thank you so much uh, for coming on. I really appreciate it. I love having you on talking about these things. You're great. Everyone go follow her at Back to Love Doc on Instagram. Again, thanks again for coming on. We'll obviously uh, be in touch. Thank you, Steve, for everything you do. You got it. Thank you. Thank you so much to Dr. Diane for coming on. Love having her on to talk about all these different things. She's great at what she does. Go follow her on Back to Love Doc on Instagram. She's covering Love is Blind Season 5. I might have to tune into this. Now, I'm after talking to her about it for the first 25, 30 minutes of this podcast, I now kind of want to see how this all played out with... Uche and Alyssa and oh, oh, Aaliyah and Lydia. So maybe I will watch it this season. I don't know. I When I tuned in last season for the first time and I was like, I'll give it two episodes. And I was like, I can't take this. It's like these people don't even know what this other person looks like and they're willing to propose to them and share all their deep, dark secrets and say how much they're falling for them. I'm just like, I don't know. It just it seems like they're doing that for show. And I, it's hard to believe, but... Yes, I'm I'm well aware that there have been couples that have come from this show that are still together to this day, and I believe some even have children. So, I don't know. Maybe I need to give it more of a chance. We'll see. Anyway, thanks again uh, to Dr. Diane for coming on. Thank you for all listening. Please follow an Apple Podcasts. Also, rate and review. My daily roundup was posted a couple hours ago if you want to check that out. Doc, uh, me in the uh, Sports Daily was posted an hour ago. We you're interested in that go follow that but anyway thank you all of you who are listening and supporting thank to thanks to dr diane again for coming on so for dr diane strakowski i'm reality steve appreciate you listening and i will talk to you tomorrow